You're listening to the Joy of Preparedness podcast from July 5th, 2015. Richard and Skip are talking with uh, Scott Hensey and Michael Cook about the Rotary and the services they provide locally and internationally. And some of it's actually quite surprising, and all of it's very interesting. So, so Scott. Yes, Rugi. <laughs> <laughs> so did you, you adopted... Sebastopol Sunrise Rotary before I did. I did, yes, and before we adopted you. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> and have you had to adapt in order to function? Oh, yeah, quite a bit, yes. <laughs> yes. Well, as you were saying, it's a service organization, and we enjoy each other's company, and we do things to raise money, and then we give that money away, basically. We try to concentrate on the local community, but as you say, we also have national and international projects that we contribute to. Mostly, once we have the money, we don't have trouble giving it away. There's plenty of places to do it, but it takes somebody like yourself to uh, suggest a place for that money to land. I think you're adopting senior centers and homeless people is a great idea, Mm -hmm. and that was a very good point to think that they don't they aren't good at advocating for themselves. Right. Uh, and it takes somebody to either go in and show them how to do it or to actually do it for them. Um, and then once it's up and running, we kind of revisit it every year, which speaks to the adopting part of it. Right. So I'm with you, man. Good idea. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> okay. So our two guests today are, are coincidentally our next two presidents of the Sebastopol Sunrise, current and Rotary, next. current and next. Mm. Scott is going to take over July 1st next year. And Michael, who's on the phone right now, is our current president. So I am. We're, we're blessed. Hey, Michael. Hi. So what is the, you got Scott in there. He's going to be the next president. Good morning, President Michael. <laughs> yes. You have longevity here already. Yes, yes. yes. So I hear cows is up for adoption. Is that true? Oh yes. <laughs> yeah. so, so we wanted you to talk about what Rotary is and what Rotary does, and uh, especially the the projects that you're interested in, like telemedicine. It I don't I don't think people realize how what an impact they can make um, in their own community or in their own community and around the world. And uh, Rotary does that. you want to talk a little bit about um, the polio project? Well, yeah, and I think in general, in what Rotary represents is an opportunity for people to get together with other similarly inclined people in their communities who are interested in giving back and connecting with each other, exchanging ideas, and taking action to make their community a great place to live and also have an impact uh, worldwide. So it's a great um, opportunity, and there's many people. I I think it was the original service club founded over 110 years ago, started in Chicago, and now it's in over 200 countries worldwide, and there's two of them right here in Sebastopol, two Rotary Clubs, can you imagine? So there's one of them that's over 80 years old that we call the Noon Club, 
And um, a little under 20 years ago, a subgroup of them decided there might be enough interest in Sebastopol for another Rotary Club that met at a different time of day. And that's how I got involved is that the meeting uh, for my club occurs in the morning so that the rest of the day uh, doesn't get interrupted with a, a rotary meeting or any other thing because I'm sort of on call. That's my profession. I'm a computer professional, so when people call, I want to respond. And if I'm in a meeting at 1 o'clock, that's not very uh, comfortable for me to put off somebody because usually it's urgent. So it turned out. Um, they weren't sure when they started this process to form a new club whether it would work, but it did. And so now there's two pretty well-established clubs here, and we sometimes work together and sometimes independently uh, to do projects. For example, there's another organization called Rebuilding Together, and their job is uh, helping people, especially elders who are not able to keep up the maintenance on their property, and we come in and do a hands-on day of work and fix up the place. Sometimes that's painting. Sometimes it's just removing refuse. We had somebody who couldn't uh, walk very well anymore, and we made a path for the wheelchair from the curb to the house so the person could get in and out. And we had this partner organization that identified the people and also got the skilled folks in. So. Rotary likes to amplify what is already going on, and that was one case where we did that. Um, and we also a lot about the kids. So we like education and helping out at the schools, doing things with the schools might not have the funding or the scope to do. Um, so we've done things like pooled our money to provide night lighting for the athletic field or band instruments for the band when they got dilapidated or they needed to replace instruments. And in fact, it was in the news not long ago that a bunch of instruments were went missing when the band was down in San Francisco and they thought those instruments were gone for good. And so Rotarians passed the hat and we pulled our money and donated it to the school to replace those missing instruments. And then it turned around that, hey, the instruments were found more than a month after they had gone missing. So the school asked us, so you want the money back? You know, and then we got our instruments. And we said, no, do something that will benefit music in our community. And so the high school said, oh, great, we'll donate to have instruments for the music students in the theater schools like Brookhaven and the other districts that send students to the high schools later. So our generosity went to the purpose that we had intended. Um, my, my club uh, on its own has a student of the month program where people at Laguna High School are identified by faculty and staff for outstanding effort. And we invite them to our club and we present them with a plaque and a little bit of spending cash and a standing ovation for their work. And it's really moving 
for the students and often their parents visit our meeting at the occasion of this presentation and we think it's been a big help for a lot of the students at Laguna. So that's another example of how a rotary idea can benefit the local community and the people in it. Hey, Michael, uh, this is Skip. When you, when you talked about the um, the path for the wheelchair, uh, you mentioned something about, I mean, how did they find you? How did how did you find out about that need? Is there a specific process that, that um, Rotary has for that? Well, we do offer, I mean, there's multiple paths, but one thing is we offer grants, as we mentioned, and we post on our website, and Rotarians are really involved as a group. So they might be on a board of directors or they might know somebody that's doing great stuff. And so we also put the word out by word of mouth. Mm -hmm. And that's one avenue. And Rotarians also just come up with an idea. For example, one of our projects now is started by a fellow who has his office in downtown Sebastopol. And he talked about his personal evolution from being irritated and stepping over the homeless people that were in the square in downtown Sebastopol, and then he decided, hey, you know, I'll, I think I'll talk to some of these people, and so he did. He started making the acquaintance of some of the people there, and he went from sort of being annoyed to saying, maybe, maybe there's something we could do to help, and we especially wanted to reduce the need for any panhandling. It's not panhandling, not very uh, welcome activity. So our club, and this this guy just started our club saying, hey, you know, I've talked to these guys, and one thing we can do is just make a lunch uh, after our meeting. So they did. They started making up bag lunches, and there was a, a local church that was already doing things with the homeless, and so we augmented what they were doing by providing bag lunches. So every Wednesday after our meeting, there's a group of the members put together bag lunches for the people that are hungry. That's great. So there's a direct action example of how we see a need and, and take it on, even though there was no organization that came to us and said, hey, how about making some sandwiches for these guys? We came up with it through conversation mm-hmm. and connecting. Mm-hmm. And that's you know, one thing that I like about you know Richard's disaster resilience initiatives is that really it's built around let's get connected, let's have a conversation, let's find out what the priorities really are. So those are all examples of kind of local action that Rotarians take. And I, I give another one more tangible, and that is we got together with the, the, the then theater company in town and built the stage at Ives Park. So we got together with some of the actors and a bunch of Rotarians, and you know some of our members are contractors, and they kind of know how to make a level stage. <laughs> so we did. We all jumped in and uh, drilled the holes and sank the screws and made this stage that's now used for concerts like the Peacetown concerts that are on Wednesday uh, in the community because we created the infrastructure, and now it's being used uh, for free music 
in the park once a week during the summers. That's great. I want people to know about your telemedicine project, too. Oh, man, now you're dragging me into that. I hate talking. I oh, know I love that. <laughs> so, the uh, yeah, telemedicine is, first of all, what is that? Uh, turns out there's a doctor in town named Dr. Goode who decided he wanted to broaden his impact as a doctor. And one way he could think of doing that was to create links over the Internet with smaller hospitals around Northern California. And so he's connected now with hospitals like up in Willits or in Arcata or elsewhere in Northern California. And what will happen is somebody, there might be an accident or there's an emergency or there's just somebody who's really sick and they want his expertise to help them do a diagnosis. And he has a panel of specialists that work with him. So what they'll do is the emergency doctor will say, oh, there's some, we got somebody in here. We're not quite sure whether they need, uh, let's say there might be a stroke here, but we don't really know. And Dr. Good's team has a neurologist on call, so they can have the neurologist connect. And they use um, video chat technology so the neurologist can actually see the patient and ask the patient to say something, because that's one of the tests, right, for a stroke. And he can tell them, yes, uh, Coumadin is a good thing to get this patient, or no, that's not what's going on. You need to, we need to look at something else. And that way, the smaller hospitals don't need to try to staff up with all the specialties that a big hospital might have in order to effectively treat their patients. And that reduces the need to just try to stabilize and then transport the patient, which uh, is sometimes fatal to the patient because they got to move them. Uh, and it keeps the patient close to their family and friends so people can visit, so you're not taking somebody from, you know, Willis down to San Francisco in order to get the diagnostic treatments that they need. So that's one of the big advantages. And our Dr. Good said, you know, I want to extend this service overseas. And he's friends with a Rotarian that's in my club who is now past president, Gail Thomas. And when she got to be president, she said, you know what? I love this idea of telemedicine. I want it to be a big initiative of our club. So I was the international chair at the time, and they said, so, Mike, what do you think? <laughs> I thought, wow, this is perfect for me because, hey, I'm a computer guy. I love the Internet aspect. I care a lot about healthcare issues. And I'd seen the, the work that Dr. Good was doing. I'd heard of it. So I thought, this is perfect. So we can, as Rotarians, help make sure if we donate equipment or donate money to get things done in another country, the Rotarians are really good stewards of those funds. There's a, a big international structure all built around doing these international cooperative projects. So that was three years ago, and we started with a project in Manila, and we got a good reception there. And since then, we've added nine other locations, including Haiti and five locations in Africa. And every year we've uh, for the last three years, we've gone to the Rotary International Convention to talk to Rotarians. There's a lot of Rotarians go to these conventions, and we put out there what we're up to and get people to sign up if they're interested. So we're in the process of adding more locations. 
Dr. Gu's doing with, let's say, a project in Nigeria is every week he offers an educational uh, hour called Grand Round. In a lot of countries, once you graduate from med school, that's it for your medical education, even though medicine keeps evolving. There's little opportunity for doctors to go to seminars or to go back and brush up on their skills and find out what the latest is. But Dr. Good's also on the faculty of UC San Francisco, and he has this professorial streak. So he's great at doing the grand rounds. And that turned out to be one of the most valuable aspects of what we offer. So each location has the opportunity to dial in once a week and listen to a presentation on a particular uh, condition that they're seeing, or in some cases they've been also the presenter. So it isn't all just being broadcast from Sebastopol. We've had doctors overseas talking about conditions. Like in India, we had a presentation on dengue fever. And I don't know what dengue fever is exactly, but it's not good. (laughs) And, And it is spreading around the world because, hey, you get on an airplane, you could have been infected and not know it yet. And then you fly home and now you show up with this strange disease and people don't necessarily know what you've got. Because they don't see a lot of dengue fever in Sebastopol, but it's possible. So it, that presentation educated doctors here in Sebastopol and elsewhere in the, in California about, hey, you know, the incubation period is a couple of weeks, so somebody in India can be bitten by the mosquito that carries this stuff and then show up on your doorstep with a con- debilitating condition. And now they're better equipped to handle it. So I think this is really developing into a worldwide web of peers, not a, you know, we know everything and we're going to help these other guys out. Everybody has some areas of expertise and we help each other. That's uh, where we're going with this international web now. And wherever the Internet connections are Good enough to support the video chat, that's ideal for us because having somebody who's remote who can actually talk to the staff or to the patient, that provides a wealth of information that you can't get from just the numbers and somebody relaying information to you via email or something. So that's the focus of what we're doing. It's doctor to doctor connections and doctor to patient connections that. Uh, enhance the ability to do uh, an accurate diagnosis, whereas otherwise, you know, the doctors would be mystified. What what a great way of being able to show from something small, you know, in a small local area like Sebastopol, to be able to use your network, um, find the find the local support, and then to be able to use your network to essentially make it global. What a great thing. Yeah, it's really well put, uh, President Michael, if I say so myself. This is Scott again. Um, the idea that an individual can put his efforts behind something like that, you know, to start small, and then we all get together and create something that has now an international effect and seems to be growing uh, all over the place. The whole telemarketing thing 
telemarketing, <laughs> telemedicine thing is really helping a lot of people. Um, when I joined Rotary, it was mostly because I wanted to find a way to give back to the community and do it in a way that would really have an impact. I mean, and as an individual, you can help a little lady across the street or something, maybe write a check to the Red Cross. You can't really do too much by yourself. But when I joined this big group of people, together we could get together and really make an interest. I mean, really make an impact in the community. And in the meantime, I made a lot of good friends, like Rudy here. Yes. <laughs> yeah, he's got <laughs> Yeah, I, I wanted us to talk a little bit about how, how do you join a Rotary? Let's say you're a listener out there and you'd like to give back to your community like Scott and Michael are doing, and how do you join? Mostly it's pretty easy. You just attend a, a meeting and um, see what craziness goes on there. I mean, we have a lot of fun. What, what happens in a meeting? Hmm. Well, there's two Rotary Clubs in Sebastopol. We're talking about the Noon Club because they start their cl- club meeting at noon uh, at the community church in Sebastopol. And our club is the sunrise meeting. We start at 7 a.m. And, yes, it is possible to get used to that. <laughs> once a week we meet at the Mason's Hall over there across from Safeway. And uh, the first half hour is club business where we talk about what we're doing and where we're doing it and why. And we kind of talk to each other and find out about the the various members and what they're doing in their lives. And then the last half of the meeting, we have a speaker from the community. And sometimes, well, I should say always, but sometimes it's more interesting than others, but it's always very interesting. Um, we've had people like uh, the, the city planner come and tell us what they're planning to do out on Highway 12 and other things like that. We have the chief of police come in and tell police stories, which is always fun. But uh, Rugi's come and given us a preparedness talk. Uh, so every week it's something that interesting comes in from the community. It's educational and entertaining. Yeah, I, I've gotten something out of every speaker, I think. Michael, can you tell us um, how to be able to join the Rotary? Rotary Club's membership is by invitation. So get acquainted with um, a Rotarian. You can also get on our website to indicate your interest. Um, the website is sebsunriserotary.org S-E-B wait a second S-E-B you can be a guest so it's S-E-B yeah sunriserotary.org dot org yeah and and you'll have fun right yeah so so, yeah get acquainted a little bit and then if you're interested in pursuing it then just talking to any member of the Rotary Club and say, you know, I'm really interested. I'd like to participate. They can have you as a guest a couple more times, and then you get proposed as a member, and it, uh, there's a process the club goes through to sort out what's involved and also make sure you're fully acquainted with all the details. There's an information meeting that, that takes place. If all goes well and uh, then once you have all the facts you can decide whether you want to go ahead and then we have a member induction. Right. The, That's the process. Yeah. Um, so if you don't if, let's say you're not ready yet to join a rotary, you can still contribute 
to your community through Rotary by participating in the Cajun Festival and the Guys Can Cook. Those are the two um, major fundraiser events uh, that we have in Basketball Sunrise Rotary. And we're going to talk about the Cajun at 1230. And I don't know. Well, what about the process of being able to... um uh, I mean, I see the list of people which, I mean, I'll just use the Series Community Project, which is a pretty easy project to get behind, I think, in the Sebastopol area. But so they do outreach to Rotary. I mean, they reach in through the granting process in order to be able to garner some support. And then what's what's required for an organization, not to use necessarily Series because um, it's so obvious, but what does an organization have to provide to Rotary to sort of qualify, if you will? Well, if you go on the website, there's a form to fill out, and mostly you just briefly state the kind of money you're looking for. You know, we're talking about something under $1,000 usually, Mm -hmm. and what you're planning to do with it, you know, Mm -hmm. just concisely uh, described. And, you know, in serious case would be, you know, uh, buying equipment or food or gas to do their deliveries or or, uh you know, outreach to find new uh, students, whatever it is they need. Mm-hmm. And then we have a grant committee, and we look at all the the grant applications, and we pick the ones we think are the most uh, deserving. Mm-hmm. And, of course, we look at the budget to see how much money we've got to give away. Mm-hmm. And that's where the fundraisers come in that we'll be talking about at 1230, and I can't wait. Michael, is there anything else you'd like to say? You can stay on the line through Scott's presentation, too. Are you there? Yeah. Yep. I was thinking for a moment, always a dangerous activity. Oh, Um, (laughs) yeah. Yeah, We better stop that. (laughs) Yeah, really. I'll stop that right now. So I wanted to just go back real quick, though. I mean, for people, um, is the, is, is it, uh, can somebody submit a request uh, continuously throughout the year, or is there some sort well, of an annualized? Well, yeah, it is. It there's, is a, there's a period when the community grants opportunities are made available, and that's posted on our website usually in the fall and then perhaps in the spring as well. Okay. Uh, for about four to six weeks, and the the, the forms used to be paper but now they're just it's an online thing uh, so sometimes you know a rotarian might help the organization complete it but we want the application to be succinct so we used to disqualify people that submitted more than a page yeah yeah it's, <laughs> it's actually very to, simple yeah so here's what we want here's how we're going to use it and here's who we are and uh, you know we don't pay salaries we don't do that kind of stuff but uh, we like tangible things like we've donated uh, a couple of chairs that you can and to the hospital before it, it closed and the chairs are still there and they'll be there when they open so if somebody's there and their loved ones in and they get to uh, hang around to be there uh, for that person but they they have this chair that can be uh, used to sleep in. Uh, so we put our plaque on there that says it's donated by Rotary, and this chair enhanced the experience of supporting a loved one who's in the hospital. And 
uh, that's the kind of thing that appeals to Rotary because it's what we call a placable project. It means we can hang our little sign on there to let people know that Rotary is active in their community. And likewise, if you go to Ives Park, you know, you'll see acknowledgement of Rotary contributions in a couple of areas there. Yeah, I think it's so strong. I mean, both clubs. I mean, what you guys do in the community is really, really tremendous. And and I do see the plaques, but I I, I hear about it more more than I see the plaques. I mean, I just know that people in Sebastopol know that that both clubs really support the community. In a big well, we do we do love to put up plaques, <laughs> and it isn't that we're so proud, but we are trying to uh, spread the word. And uh, and there's no reason you shouldn't get recognition when you have been successful. We also do stuff like the the high school will need a couple of new computers, so we'll give them the money for that. Or we put up the money to put the to build the bench waiting area so that the kids don't have to wait for their ride in the rain. Mm-hmm. Uh, we worked a lot on the the super. Uh, the super playground mm-hmm. thing mm-hmm. that they've now replaced with something else, but uh, is those kinds of uh, little bites out of the the problems of the community that we're trying to work on? Like we did the sound system, upgraded the sound system at Annaline High School. That was cool. Yeah, uh, yeah it was something yeah. the drama department couldn't do for themselves. And there are the national the programs. Budget. I'm yeah. sorry, Michael. Go ahead. I was just going to say there are the national programs that uh, uh, that Rotary is involved in, and the international programs like polio eradication, Thanks eradication, for example. Mm-hmm. Whereas every time we uh, give money to the in the polio now campaign, uh, that saves a few more lives from the people being affected from polio. And and the Gates Foundation, I think they don't they give two to one. Yes. Yeah. For, so if if we donate a dollar. Bill and his wife will put in $2 to yeah. to help with that pro- project. And we're down to, I think, just two nations now. And right. It's been a heck of a successful thing. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it started like over 30 years ago when there was 120 countries that had polio endemic. And over the years, we've had national immunization days, and we go in, and a bunch of volunteers and also professionals would come in and help. Uh, immunize the kids. And sometimes you have to do it over again, you know, because some case would erupt. They go back and immunize all the kids in that area over again. And now we've got it down where we think um, Africa is polio free. Which is takes really three exciting. years to be certified polio free, and we're one year uh, of no cases anywhere in Africa. That's not easy. I mean, those guys, you know, they're having civil wars. They're, you know, Sudan and Somalia. They've all had the immunization days. And a way it can work is because they have rotary in those countries. So these are people who live there, people who are respected there, people who help make it happen. But they've negotiated a ceasefire in the middle of a civil war so they can have a National Immunization Day. I mean, that's remarkable. I'm so impressed by that whole effort. Now it's down to just Pakistan and Afghanistan. And there's areas in Pakistan where even the Army hesitated to go in the past, but now they've figured ways to help get all the kids immunized whenever they travel in or out of that area. So it's really made a big dent in the number of cases of polio. 
worldwide. That's great. So, you know, um, what we're going to do is uh, play a little music because it is time, actually, to talk about it. Yeah, All right. It's time. Yeah. And, Michael, you can stay online if you'd like.